0: Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass And what's the gonna do? It doesn't matter how you're doing Woo! Wheel of dealing Living this life just Can you dig it dig it sucker? Would you please Shut the hell up You don't know what hard times are daddy The queen. will rise to the top Oh yeah Oh yes Look at rubble
1: What up, what up? Welcome to episode 44 of Keep the Kayfabe. I'm Mike, sitting here with my boys, ready to talk some wrestling. In your house was this last Sunday, but none of us give a shit, so we're going to have a special episode uh, (laughs) this week and talk about the all-time greatest tag teams. Yes, that's right, folks. Business has been a little slow in the wrestling world, but uh, we thought we would switch it up a little bit and have a nice casual conversation of... You know, the hundreds of thousands of tag teams that have come through the wrestling world, and we're going to narrow it down to uh, the elite list, and I can't wait to see what me and the boys come up with. But uh, before we get to that, let's get acquainted real quick. Over in Glendale, someone who keeps it regal, Steve Schmidt. How are you, Grabby?
2: Bro, Russo will make Nash cool again, baby. <laughs> Bro.
3: Yeah. I saw that on Russell botch this afternoon. And it's funny because I happened to see the clip on Instagram right before Mike shared it as part of the, keep the kayfabe account. And man, just cracked me up.
1: Oh my, I can't believe I've never seen that before. So shout out Russell botch for all of our listeners. It is the best. If you are, if you rest, if you listen to keep the kayfabe and you're not following Russell botch on Instagram or Facebook, get on there right away and uh follow because they put on some of the best wrestling content i've never seen that before when uh, i think that's when i dropped off
2: of wcw well, i definitely didn't watch wcw and bro russo was there bro <laughs>
1: matt michelson actually does a really great vince russo impression but um yeah we won't give that away we haven't He's introduced him yet. Else up for us. i don't even know who that is we
2: haven't introduced him yet
1: yeah, exactly. We heard his voice, but we haven't gone down the Bayview yet and talked to somebody who keeps it freshly squeezed. Matt Michaelson, Matt, how are you? Dun, 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 dun,
3: dun, dun. Here comes the axe, and wow. here comes a smasher. That, that's all I'm doing tonight. Yeah, but since we are wow. talking about the world's greatest tag teams or the greatest tag teams in pro wrestling history, I figured a little tribute to Demolition would be in order.
1: That's right. Always that was very good that was digging into the vault there for that. I don't, I couldn't even remember their uh, intro music. So, um, yeah, I mean, you, you can't awesome. beat lyrics.
2: You can't beat lyrics like the demolition. You better say your act of contrition.
3: <laughs> oh, <laughs> that that's what good. they say. I, yeah. it's, it, they get so gravelly sounding. I honestly never knew what they said, but it's funny that Mike, you just mentioned a minute ago, you can never forget demolitions. Uh, Entrance music, which is ironic because I believe you did just that on the episode of Keep the Kayfabe where we played the game Hit My Music, available now wherever you get your podcasts from. Uh, basically, right. the game was you have to guess the wrestler after hearing the entrance music. And I do believe Demolition was one of them.
1: It wasn't my turn. I would have failed, though. I ah. did win that game. Oh, I that's didn't right. get I didn't get jobbed.
3: No, oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> actually, Steve, like I think. Last was- week's show. Yeah, Steve got that one like right away. I was really surprised.
2: My wheelhouse, bro. Okay, I'll stop. Wait, I was was possessed by Russo. I have to stop with the bros.
3: That's the danger of Vince Russo. Like, well, two things. One, you know, booking, just that's it. Number two, once you start, you can't stop. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. Very habitual with the bros, Vince Russo. So, yeah, Vince Russo booked a lot of tag team matches. Uh, let's see, in the Attitude Era, I would say. And, I mean, we're probably going to get to some of the best in that decade. Um, but I I, I, was, I was texting the boys this last weekend. I've been watching a lot of Dark Side of the Ring getting caught up. We just saw the Dynamite Kid. And uh, we'll probably do a review show coming up. So if you haven't been watching Dark Side of the Ring, uh, get on that. You can probably get on YouTube or stream it. Uh, they've been just doing an awesome, or should I say dynamite job this season, uh, three of Dark Side of the Ring. So I learned a lot about the Dynamite Kid and uh, the British Bulldog, the British Bulldogs tag team. I was like, you know what, boys? Why don't we talk a little bit of uh, greatest tag teams of all time? I can't believe we haven't done it yet. We've done greatest stables, baby faces, heels, managers. But, I mean, tag team wrestling is probably the most fun matches or form of wrestling i believe in wrestling because you know the more the merrier Uh, a little more creativity you can have a little more story a little more hijinks that you can throw in uh to matches you know you can get more creative with the costumes the names the managers i mean tag team wrestling is what makes wrestling really really great and then when you have um you know a partner you, you just have maybe some more confidence and it's really like a marriage. So, I mean, a lot of us, we've heard a lot of stories about, um, you know, tag teams, uh, in history. I'm sure we're going to uncover some great stories. So yeah, thanks for listening everybody. So let's get to greatest tag teams of all time here on keep the cave fade. So I just mentioned, um, the British bulldogs. I mean, they're certainly up there with the dynamite kid and Davey boy Smith, but one, uh, tag team that I think probably Steve Grobschmidt has on his list would probably be the Heart Foundation. Would it not be, Steve? They were three on my list, yes. Nice. They are
3: also number I know three you're... on my list as well. Oh,
2: Got to give the people what they want.
1: Best wow. friends are wow. alive and well.
3: Best friends.
2: By the way, at the time of filming, this is National Bourbon uh, Day, so I'm enjoying oh. some uh, Uncle Nearest
1: Bourbon here. That's yeah, an that's unsolicited uh, ad there. Uncle Nearest, that's a maple flavored bourbon. Am I correct? No, it's just a regular bourbon.
3: No, but Mike, uh... I think you're referring to Bubba's.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> Bubba's. That's great. Right. Uncle Nearest, I thought was uh, maple, and I heard through the grapevine that Uncle Nearest taught Jack Daniels how to brew. Yeah, or, it's like uh, a, one of the
2: was... for, one of the first, if not first, I think, um, black distillers, mm-hmm. and yeah, they think he taught jack daniels and now the business has his name it's a black run i believe a woman uh a a black woman runs it so yeah they're kind of cool like uh business to support i've tried both two different kinds of their bourbon it's it's
1: really good shout out uncle nearest i've made a couple candles out of Mm -hmm. uncle nearest too for people so litmkecandles.com people um but yeah the heart foundation Yes. Gotta love them. Yeah. Team of Brett, the hitman heart, before he was the excellence of execution. You got a little uh, sneak peek at what was to come with that uh, living legend. And not Greg, the anvil nine heart, it's Jim, the anvil nine heart. Exactly. They really uh, set the tone and uh, they had their own style, hard hitting, uh, good chemistry, great on the mic. They were the total package back in the 80s, would you say, Steve?
2: absolutely yeah they had that perfect mix i mean one bret hart i mean even at a young age could you know one of the greatest wrestlers in the there ever was and ever will be um and then jim nightheart the big man and they yeah they just said it was awesome and i mean there was kind of vintage jimmy hart yep yeah baby there you go um (laughs) and uh yeah no they were great and they uh i mean they just had that yeah like Brett brought the speed and Anvil bought the power and they had that cool, uh, the heart attack finisher. Um, mm-hmm. I just remember they had some classic matches with uh, strike force and the British bulldogs. And yeah, they were, uh, a staple of 80s, mid eighties, late eighties wrestling. And yeah, one of, one of my favorite teams.
3: Yeah. hundred percent. I remember as a young kid watching the heart foundation and that's when I first got became familiar with Brett Hart. I think what it was for me was as a kid, especially, Um, in the late eighties, there was, you know, they had the hot pink leotards with like Bret Hart's cool sunglasses. They just emitted this essence of cool, um, which immediately drew all the kids in for sure. And, you know, Steve, kind of like you mentioned, obviously for anyone who watches pro wrestling, you know, and you've probably heard of Bret Hart, even if you're at a younger age and even going back and watching his singles matches now, It's incredible how clean all of his matches are. He wrestles so snug, but not too much. Um, It's just, there's a reason they call him the excellence of execution. Um, But even before that, when he was tagging with Jim, the Anvil, Neidhart, um, you know, it just adds a whole different dynamic, kind of like what Mike was mentioning at the beginning of the podcast tag team wrestling just opens up the door to so many other cool angles and storylines that Mm -hmm. you can insert into a match or ways to you know, kind of almost protect the other person in the group while keeping the match going and keeping the crowd guessing. It's a really fun style of wrestling to watch, um, which I think is part of the reason we really like to put over AEW on this show. They really seem to have done a good job bringing back tag team wrestling. Um, when I feel like in the past 10, 15 years, even it hasn't really been at the forefront of other promotions. So yeah, this was a really good pick and I'm sure we'll get into a lot more too. Obviously this is the tag team show. So yeah, uh Hart Foundation, great, great pairing.
1: Most definitely, and all products of uh Stu Hart's Dungeon. Yeah, um, Cal- Calgary. You're, if you are uh world scholars of wrestling, you've probably heard of Stu Hart's Dungeon. And if you have, if if you haven't, uh, there's a really good opportunity to learn deeper about the Hart family on A and E's biography, Brett the Hitman Hart. My all-time favorite wrestler is, uh, Shawn Michaels. So I kind of grew up hating Bret Hart, no matter what he did. And Matt, you said he did wrestle so snug that it was kind of, you know, in my eyes, kind of predictable and maybe not as exciting to watch. Plus he was the enemy of my favorite wrestler, um, so I didn't really like him, but after watching this a biography of him, I got a new respect for the guy. I always kind of thought he was a whiner. He was always just kind of like, you know, you know he took it too seriously a little bit and he you does, know. he does. Yeah, But uh, I, I got a, I, I kind of, he saw that that show kind of softened me up a little bit and more accepting mm-hmm. of the man and his story. And it's, it's very well done. If you haven't checked it out yet.
2: I really struggle with Bret Hart. I really struggle because he's, in the ring one of my all-time favorites but mm-hmm. in the past years he's just so crabby and like just right i don't know so negative and i just like sometimes i just wish i hadn't heard quotes from him and stuff i think my most uh, oh god i remember one time he was on sam roberts podcast and in the same mm-hmm. podcast he talked about how he needed to patch things up with Shawn michaels because you know, you shouldn't carry that negative energy with you and you shouldn't, you know, just eat you up and you got to be positive. And then in the same podcast, he he talked about what a piece of crap Eric Bischoff was and how he killed the business. And he he went on this rant and it's like, dude, you are such a hypocrite. And I just, and I think people just accept that for what he is, but it's like, yeah, he's just, he's a bit too purist, a bit too, protective of his legacy and kind of takes other people down yeah. but it doesn't take away from what he's done in the ring.
3: Yeah, I I can definitely see where you're coming from with that Steve. Um I think as far as his wrestling style, Mike, you know, you had mentioned he maybe wasn't the most exciting wrestler and that is so true. You know, even watching his matches, like I said, he's snug, but sometimes that doesn't lend itself to the most exciting or adrenaline rushing wrestling matches. But at the same time, mm-hmm. I think you know, what, what he was really good at was making the matches look believable. Like he was really beating the hell out of these guys and they were really beating the hell out of him. And I think, you know, regardless of the work rate, if you can do that really well, it's going to be a great match. And the crowd is going to be totally into it because the moment you start to believe that this is a real thing, it it totally draws you in. So I I think that's really what Mm -hmm. made him so memorable and so great is you know, again, not the highest work rate, but just made you want to see more and really care about the matches he was in.
2: I think the, as I've gotten older, the match from him, I appreciate the I moment we're, we're kind of, I guess I'm kind of, we're going off a tag team here, but uh, the heart Austin match at WrestleMania is probably mm-hmm. one of the greatest stories ever period like one of the certainly one of the best wrestlemania moments he he made austin a made man and just the double turn and all that is it's really one of the best written or best performed matches of all
1: time right and that's okay if we get uh more into the primary careers of some of these tag team members because tag team wrestling i think almost every great wrestler. who is a star starts in a stable or a tag team at some point and launches their career and kind of gets them their confidence and f- helps them find their footing uh, in their solo career. And I mentioned it before, mm-hmm. Shawn Michaels uh, is my all time favorite number one wrestler. And he came from the rockers. He was right. with Marty Jannetty and uh, he had one of the greatest heel turns of all time, um, you know, super kicking Jannetty and, Bruce, the barber beefcakes, barber shop. <laughs> That's right. And um, you know, the rest is history with, uh, with those guys. And I mean, the rockers were kind of a, just, you know, perfect for their time, eighties wrestling mullets, high energy, uh, you know, piggybacking a little yeah. bit off mm-hmm. of the uh, dynamite kid that they just were talking about how dynamite kid kind of paved the way for, you know, this acrobatics and power and um, you know, stringing along many moves in secession yeah uh the rockers had all that they had the look they had the sex appeal they had the energy they had the creativity uh they, they 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 complimented whoever they were wrestling really good you could put them in there against big men they could go up against you know guys their size and they would they would set the crowd on fire for sure so they've got to be one of the all-time greatest i would say
3: yeah, I this was actually number two on my list. <laughs> so nice. I heard Foundation as number three, the Rockers as number two. Um, at least for this time frame we're talking about. And Mike, it's funny you mentioned being a Shawn Michaels guy. I was definitely a Bret Hart guy, but at the same time, I loved the Rockers as a young kid growing up. Um, and mm-hmm. I've talked on previous episodes of the podcast about how my parents used to rent VHS tapes of SummerSlam, WrestleMania, all these shows from back in the day. And that's when I first became familiar with the Rockers and kind of like you mentioned a minute ago my most memorable moment as a kid watching pro wrestling especially with the rockers was that heel turn of Shawn michaels super kicking marty Jannetty through the glass window at the time it was just so violent and over the top for yeah. how wwf at the time was it really made a statement and you couldn't help but hate Shawn michaels after that and i think you know as a young kid you still haven't really teased out you know what's real and what's not so I immediately as a young kid thought, wow, Shawn Michaels is kind of a jerk, right? For doing something like that. And that just kind of stuck with me over the years. And it's funny, you hear these stories now about how he was in real life in the 90s, just his lifestyle he led, um, how he was backstage, how people perceived him. You know, there was a little bit of crossover between how he was on screen and how he actually was. So I really think that helped lend to his character after, you know, the Rockers inevitably split up.
1: Steve. So you were, you're our eldest statesman on the show. Charlie couldn't be with us here tonight. Yes. I'm the so second we're, eldest we're, statesman of all of us. Yeah. What was your reaction to the super, or, or it wasn't a super kick. Um, just he throwing like, Marty through him through. Yeah. Yeah. What? No, I were, was, what, I go ahead. What was your reaction to that? I mean
2: I think that's one of the greatest heel turns of all time. I mean it was just because it was so unexpected. Like Matt said in that era the violence and kind of nastiness of it was like you know nowadays if someone did that you'd just be like oh yeah I've seen that a dozen times but then it was not. So no I think it was one of the most effective heel turns and it was it made him a made man as a heel um did and then top? I mean they got the, I do oh, totally at the time yeah I don't remember what year that was but I was still reasonably young and uh mm-hmm. no i totally popped at that I, I mean I, I was a big fan of sean michaels and that early heel run i think soon after that he wound up with sherry Martel as his manager and um yeah it was a great yeah and then genetti never did great but they still he had a little bit of a run there as a as a baby face a sympathetic baby face because of what happened to him and uh yeah that's all-time great uh yeah, they didn't make my top 10, but they are they are an awesome tag team. They were in the AWA for a while. For those of you that remember the AWA, they were the Midnight Rockers, I think for a year or two before they moved on to WWF.
3: Was the AWA mm-hmm. full of Midnight tag teams? Because I feel like you have the Midnight Rockers, the Midnight Express, probably others as well.
2: I don't know if the... I mean, somebody could correct me on this. I don't know that the Midnight Express spent a lot of time in the AWA. I could be oh, wrong. Okay. But, uh, but no, I wonder... If that was purposely a play, you know, like that was their answer to the Midnight Express or something, but uh, yeah, they were the Midnight Rockers for a short time, and then just the Rockers. Probably conflict (laughs) of names.
1: I heard the Midnight Express used to get a lot of ass, and they weren't the most attractive guys either. Are you talking about them or the the Rock and Roll Express? Because they they they're oh yeah the Rock and Roll Express. I always get the two confused. Excuse me. Yeah.
2: No, I mean, honestly, so so basically, spoiler alert, I mean, I didn't do this to be a old school douchebag, I I just, it's like, when you're trying to think of tag teams across the whole spectrum of my 47 years on this planet, I had to mm-hmm. draw a line, so I kind of focused pre-2000, and I made a top mm-hmm. 10 list, but uh, the Rock and Roll Express and Midnight Express were one and two on my list, because they, I mean, my God, not only... And they couldn't, you couldn't have one without the other, because some of the greatest tag team matches of all time were those guys. But yeah, I mean, sign of the Rock and Roll Expresses—they're in like their sixties, and they still show mm-hmm. up once in a while, and they still can draw a pop and all that. I mean, those guys were yeah. like, yeah, they weren't—they weren't. I mean, I guess um, uh, Ricky Morton, you know, decent looking in the day, but the other Robert Gibson, <laughs> not not a super attractive man, but he was the one that pulled down the ladies left and right big (laughs) fleanderer yeah i think there was i think that's not all that was big about him (laughs) that would be the only other thing that makes sense
3: i mean you know the nose right
2: yeah yeah but no i mean since we since you brought it up the rock and roll express i mean just some of the greatest matches of all time and then yeah the mid i guess we'll talk about them together i'm going to talk about them together but the midnight express with jim coronet is just the the perfect just want to punch him in the face, bad guy manager. Um, so there was like, I think three different iterations of the midnight express. The ones that I liked the most were, uh, Eaton and Stan Lane. If you guys remember Stan Lane. Um, yep. Yeah. And actually part of the reason I liked them, I'm really dating myself here, but in the AWA, there was a team called the fabulous ones, which was Steve Kern and Stan Lane. And I really liked them. And then Stan Lane would go on to replace, um, um oh crap dennis condry as the uh in, in the um midnight express but uh and then steve kern maybe you'd know he went on to be the skinner for a while if that name rings a bell yeah
1: yeah so Dude, his promos <laughs> were hilarious yeah that's when yeah. dundee was yeah. like real, like a big movie yeah. and it, like he was on saturday morning superstars and yeah that so, was yeah fun. But uh,
2: yeah, I was just completely going on a nostalgic ramble there but um, no, the, the, the Midnight Express and the Rock and Roll Express were so damn good and like just textbook like awesome matches. They knew how to do the classic, you know like you got the good guy getting beat down beat down almost tag doesn't get it doesn't get it then gets the hot tag crowd goes insane like that formula right. that to this day is used like religiously in tag team matches. Yeah. Um, they had it down and they say you know, Robert uh, Ricky Morton was, like he, he he's like the one of the all-time greats in like uh getting uh, um, crowd reaction and kind of this you know the sympathetic, the sympathetic baby face and even his, he had limited tag singles runs I think he had a I think he wrestled flair for the title a few times and outstanding matches so the, awesome those guys are near at the top of my list
1: most definitely yeah I love I love hearing stories and just, uh, you know, the history of it all, because like you said, the hot tag uh, for people listening is when, you know, you want like, you know, the announcers are just keep building like, oh, and he can't get to the corner. He can't get it. And, you know, when they say he's cutting off the ring and he can't get it. And then when that tag hits and everybody just throws their arms up and goes crazy. And then it's just clotheslines, ducking clotheslines, drop kicks, take both partners I mean, out. Yeah. Your money for, right? Well, just and it's funny. Of- yeah. Wrestling has changed
2: over the years, you know, the high flyers, I mean, extreme, all mm-hmm. these things that over the years became did big, that weren't big in the past, but To this day, 90, what, 90, 95% of tag team matches have what you just described. Like, it's the the most constant formula in wrestling is the hot tag. Yeah, Uh, and and that was
3: actually something I was going to ask about. So I'm not too familiar with the Midnight Express or the Rock and Roll Express, but from the sound of it, it, you know, they almost invented modern tag team wrestling is what it seems like, or at least some of the most common match formulas. I
2: think, yeah, I think that's a better, yeah, I think it's like, you know, maybe all the things they didn't do, they weren't the first, but they like perfected it. And right. I mean, look, I mean, if you guys remember from AEW, I think uh, when they were trying to establish um, Dax Harwood and um, help me, Cash Wheeler, Cash Wheeler <laughs> yeah, as the, like, you know, when they, Jumped back at when they jumped into AEW and then they like kind of cemented themselves as heels. They took out the Rock and Roll Express and I think they put them through a table or whatever. If you remember, like they still they still serve a great purpose, yeah. And they were wrestling, uh, yeah.
1: The one that had the lazy eye, uh, the one that fucked the most, (laughs) Robert (laughs) Gibson. Yeah, and that pile driver looked like he bounced like harder than Austin, like collapsing his neck. I was like, holy shit! Like a a year. A year and a half ago
2: or so when a uh when nwa power came out and like nwa was kind of returning they brought in the midnight or they brought in the rock and roll express and they won the titles like for the like the how many time and they held on to them nice. for a little while and those guys are old but they don't embarrass themselves they, they know they, they know their limitations but it's not like um yeah. you, you sit there and
1: go like oh i can't watch them they're so bad
2: they they they, they, they play the hits and they're still
1: good yep i love it Awesome. Well, I've been kind of hogging the uh, the picks in the beginning of this episode, but they all just segued so good with one another. What do you have, Matt, on your list?
3: Yeah. Um, so if we're gonna stick with the theme of the '80s, just for another minute, I, I think we have to mention the Road Warriors. Um, just one of the yeah. most legendary tag teams of all time. I think you're even to this day. You still hear about them through a variety of channels, whether it's you know Dark Side of the Ring episodes. You know, Posts on social media showing pictures of Hawk and Animal from the Road Warriors back in the day. Just the coolest looking tag team, in my opinion, ever. They had the best outfits. They were just hard asses in the ring. Um, I think, again, going back to my youth as a small child, seeing all these tag teams for the first time the road warriors were the coolest the spiked shoulder pads the moment they would walk through the curtain you were captivated and immediately thought i like these guys i don't know why but i really want to see more of them so for me the road warriors were one of the most memorable tag teams of the 80s and even you know to this day you know people still talk about them and they definitely had their demons at certain points um but it's incredible how popular they were. I think we talked about them a little bit on the Stables podcast. So if you want to hear more about mm-hmm. this, you can check that out that episode as well. But I remember one of the things we talked about was just how famous they were all over the world, not just in the WWF, you know, which is, I think, where they're most well known for most you know North American wrestling fans, but you also have them doing a lot of work in Japan, especially um, back in the day before a lot of, you know, famous, I'll call them wrestlers really did a lot of time in Japan. So, you know, anywhere they would go, they would draw. And that was really their calling card was they could go anywhere, work a show and be the main event, like no problem, regardless of promotion. So definitely think that deserves at least a mention.
1: Yeah. They really, uh, you know, we call people from other countries aliens when they come to this country. Can you imagine Hawk and animal going to Japan and I mean, they look like legit aliens with their Mohawks and being so huge. And then the spike shoulder pads and, you know, just literally beating the shit out of people. I mean, they threw their weight around. Uh, everybody says you always knew you were really in a fight and you wrestled the match against the road warriors when you stepped into the ring with these guys. So yeah, Steve, you were, you were probably right in that vein. Did you like freak out about the road warriors when they were uh, hot Yes, you say? As, a,
2: as a kid, they were one of my favorites. As I gotten older, they're, like they're, I got a couple of reasons why I don't love them quite as much as I used to. But they were, yeah. I mean, NWA, WCW, WWE, WWF. They, I mean, Japan. You mentioned all those things. Everywhere they went, they were huge, and some of those. Um, you know, like you think of the early war games matches with the, with the with the, the, the um, horsemen and all that, the Royal warriors were in a number of those matches and they were just, yeah. And I know they were, they played heels, faces, they just brutal. Yeah. And I think that's part, yeah, they, uh, As I've gotten older, one of the things that I don't enjoy about them as much as I did then, because at the time, when you're a kid, you just like seeing people beat the crap out of them. I, I, the the whole no selling that they did in like every match, like as an old, as an adult fan now, it's like, eh, that's, I mean, that's kind of lame. But at the time, it was like, holy crap, they're larger than life um and then the other reason that like i can't what the other thing i can't forget in my life i'm sure i've told this story on the show before is that um my family was having breakfast at a restaurant near the airport here in milwaukee once and they were there with precious paul ellering and my brother went up to him to get an autograph and they were very rude to him and uh maybe they were playing the heels you know that was that era where they still played heels outside but uh i never quite forgave them for that
1: but uh yeah they may have (laughs) but that's like
2: that's down, yeah
1: what was that? Have been coming. Yeah, they may have been coming down from the from the evening of cocaine and <laughs> yeah, that's uh, very well you know, possible. Uh, yeah, most like likely. That. So, it's just yeah, crazy. I mean, They're they, both gone. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, uh, animal survived a couple years after Hawk passed away. It could have been like ten or twelve years or something like that. Oh Egypt. yeah, because Hawk died from his
2: early forties and Animal died just a couple years ago or in the past couple years. Yeah precious
1: Paul's still going he's in his um early 70s I think he actually passed away when we just started recording I think you're right one of the earliest uh episodes and like that you know we did a little research on and try to give a good tribute because of just how impactful the road warriors and legion of doom were so you know we were trying to do them just so yeah. yeah I mean those two were um truly like a marriage I mean Hawk was like the party your ass off, do every drug uh, at the table, uh, be the first one to the party, last one, leave the party. Uh, and then Animal took wrestling a little bit more seriously and had to, you know, kind of bring them back down, bring Hawk back down the earth and make sure they attended their obligations everywhere. Can you imagine trying to wrangle that dude like over the course of your life to make sure you got to each territory and every show? Oh, I, and- I'm
2: sure that's why precious Paul is like, you know, when they went in the hall of fame, I think he went in with them. And I think yeah. he was probably in every sense of the word, their manager, like he was their handler. Or precious. Yeah. He was precious to that team.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
2: That's why I called him that. But uh, yeah, that's maybe, maybe why he's the
1: only one still alive out of the three. Great. Yeah. Great story on uh, Dark Side of the Ring, folks. If you haven't seen that episode, great, great look on the Road Warriors and their history. They got an incredible story. And uh, yeah, rest in peace, rest in power, hawk and animal. Great pick. No great pick. <laughs> awesome. Well, should we stay in the 80s, man, and talk about demolition real quick? <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. Uh, what I like to call Road Warriors Light. Um so yeah mm-hmm. so Demolition was another tag team I was really into as a young kid. As an adult, uh, you know I see pictures of them and I think, "Oh my god, what what was I thinking?" Um because you know you see their outfits and the Road Warriors had these cool spikes with almost like body armor and things. Um Demolition almost looked like something out of like a M film. So right, the outfits were a lot different, um but really unique at the time. And there was no denying how over they were. If you go back and watch some of their matches, I think it was WrestleMania 8, I want to say. I happened to see a match where they were in a tag team title match. And I, I, I apologize. I can't remember who their opponent was in the match. But I definitely know that Demolition was over and ended up winning the match and retaining the titles in that match. Um, so really memorable tag team. Uh, in the beginning, it was two guys, Axe and Smash and they were right. around for a while and my understanding is that i and i can't remember which one it was i think smash was out for a little bit and then crush oh Ax yeah out. okay so
2: yeah funny story Ax, I mean x was the older guy of the two he's been around forever he was the mass superstar he had like a run long before uh, uh, demolition but they actually thought he was having heart problems or something if i remember right so he was hmm. like kind of getting ready to retire and then they brought crush in but it turned out to be like, you know, they spent a lot of time in Japan, I think it was. And he got this like buildup of toxins or something from eating shrimp, like iodine or something. And oh, yeah, it dude. almost killed him. And then yeah, so he's he it did he like I actually think he's he might still be wrestling. Like he's like pushing 70, and I think he's still around. But uh yeah, that's but but that's why they brought crush in to kind of <laughs> like phase out X.
3: I know. So I know that Axe was still wrestling about 10 years ago because I actually happened to see him um, just by pure coincidence when I was in college. uh, I think this was around 2005. I want to say they, for whatever reason, ended up throwing sort of a indie promoted wrestling show on campus. And you know at the time it was sort of in between me being in love with pro wrestling the attitude era had faded out the modern era hadn't really kicked off yet at least you know the version that we know now but i remember going to the show and axe was in a match and it just really blew me away and none of my friends could really relate because i had grown up watching axe and smash demolition and right away i saw axe i knew who it was and nobody else did and i just thought it was amazing that we had the opportunity to see him live in a match, right? Like not realizing like, well, this is kind of how pro wrestling is a business works. Like if you find yourself on the outs with one promotion, you more often than not move over to another one. So that was a really cool experience, but yeah, demolition, definitely one of those tag teams that was super over in the late eighties, even a little bit of the early nineties and really holds a special place in my memory as a kid.
2: Yeah. 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 Yeah, my um, yeah, they were one of my favorite tag teams as a kid, and um, and, and and not to get it like kind of to a dark place, but like at the time, one of my best friends was into wrestling. And years later, he stopped watching wrestling, but Demolition was his all-time favorite tag team. And this friend of mine passed away a couple years ago, so I always have this nostalgic um, view still towards Demolition because I think of that guy. But um, I was just. You know, as I do, as we're talking, and you bring up things like WrestleMania 8 and that, I was just looking to find out when, so so Axe stopped wrestling in 2017, so he would have been in his late 60s, but I guess uh, as of June 11th, which is, that was what, three days ago, Mm -hmm. Um, Lanny Poffo said, like, keep uh, Axe in your prayers. I guess he had a bad reaction to the COVID vaccine, and he's not doing well, so that's breaking
1: news there that Axe has got some health issues going on right now. Speaking of uh, close calls with COVID, I don't know if you guys heard this story or if I talked to you about it. I heard a story about Tommy Dreamer actually, who actually was doing very, very bad. He actually got exposed to COVID up in Alaska. When was this? Uh, he, this is recent. This was because I just uh, heard him a couple days ago on on on. it uh, um, open. I think it was like at least two months ago. Okay, I'm okay, saying. got it. Got it. Three, got three it. months ago. So he was up there and he was, you know, probably not wearing a mask. I mean, it's Alaska, you know, the population is probably a little more sparse, but, you know, everybody says Tommy Dreamer, the dude was in all these hardcore matches, never got hurt. He says, you know, because he's a little more doughy, you know, he could take a little bit more punishment, never gets hurt. But the COVID, uh, vi- uh, virus like really took him out he couldn't even like lay down like he would have to sleep standing up against the wall to like shut Holy his camp. eyes and stuff like it was it was pretty serious stuff so yeah well it's good to hear that he was on busted open not too long ago so that must mean he must be doing better but i forget yeah, I- what show i was listening to but it, it seemed pretty serious and i mean if tommy dreamer gets uh taken out because of this thing that would be a huge kick in the nuts and just uh a testament on how we should take this thing you know exactly. seriously
2: so,
1: right. you know on a
2: lighter note is just to wrap up demolition and we can't forget that demolition smash um would go on to be the repo man the blacktop bully he had some wildly different characters in his career he was crusher khrushchev before demolition he played a russian yep. so uh that sounds familiar. he was part of the long line of um wrestlers that came out of Minnesota that like uh that included like you know guys like the road warriors and that so
3: it's funny you mentioned that Steve I I always listen to the what culture podcast and there's a guy Simon Miller who um has drawn a lot of attention he's just a really positive guy does really great reviews um and has a lot of great insight into pro wrestling but one of his favorite wrestlers was repo man and (laughs) I saw a picture I I think it was on Instagram earlier today and I remember, I think it was on the stables podcast or just one of our previous episodes. I think Steve, you may have mentioned that. And I saw the picture today and I could not remember who repo man also was, but you just made me remember. So thanks for that. See, we all learned something here on keep the kayfabe even from each other,
1: dude. The Repo Man is one of my all time favorites. I would always imitate him when me and my buddy would be, you know, fake wrestling on his trampoline out back and stuff like that. He was just so funny, like uh, over the was, top. Yeah, he was because again, I watched Superstars like like Skinner, like you mentioned earlier, Steve. They would put the Repo Man out there and do like a five minute squash match, and yeah, it was great. And uh, yeah, let's so let's stick with a little early nineties. Uh, I think one of the last great tag teams just coming out of the eighties and um you know the beginning of the era of the 90s i would say would be the steiner brothers from michigan scott oh, and Rick yeah. steiner i mean they they were special they weren't they weren't um yeah, okay they both had you know they were both kind of roughneck, but Scott he would always lead off the match. I, I don't even think I've ever seen Rick Steiner start a match. It was always Scott Steiner in there first, curly mullet. You know they wear these singlets. They're I mean they're jacked. I mean Scott didn't he uh, coin the move the Frankensteiner? Yeah, I exactly. Think. Yeah, that's where it came from, right? So um you know that was the first time I saw that, and especially out of a tag. Uh, But yeah, Rick would wear his uh, wrestling headgear. He would have like this mutton chop beard, you know, bark around the ring. And, you know, they would come out to the varsity kind of music of and he would wear his varsity leather jacket. It was just like they were just awesome baby faces in the early 90s. So, you know, me growing up as a kid, not being able to watch a whole lot of wrestling, they would always be on Saturday mornings. And uh, so I took to them really uh, right away. And uh, I'd be remiss if we didn't give them at least a little shine. So, yeah, I had to bring them up. Um,
3: Yeah, Yeah, the Steiner brothers for me, um, I mean, obviously I'm aware of who they are, but as we've talked about on many episodes of the show, I was not a WCW guy growing up. And my understanding was that's really where they climbed the ladder more than anywhere else. And
2: They did have a title run in WWE. Oh, they did? Awesome.
3: Was that also early 90s? I think so. Right. Cause they were in
2: WCW for a long time. Then they switched over for a few years and then they went back.
3: Okay. Yeah. Right. Cause my, my biggest, th- the way I'm most familiar with the Steiner brothers is more Scott Steiner is big pop of pump because yeah. especially during the attitude era, there would always be a lot of cross promotion. Like you'd be watching Monday night raw and then you'd see a commercial for nitro. And when that would happen, they would always show Scott Steiner flexing a muscle on top of a muscle on top of a muscle and kissing it. And God, that guy was just jacked. And I'm sure it wasn't natural in hindsight, but yeah, he definitely made an impression, you know, with the few seconds he had during a commercial break. So while I'm not too familiar with the Steiner brothers or their work, especially um, they definitely stand out when you see them
1: for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The big pump, uh, big pop of pump era is when Scott was, uh, you know, on steroids. And I actually heard a story that he died like was pronounced dead at a hospital. And then he had like a show or a signing or something where he was going to get a paycheck and actually showed up to that show and didn't take the night off because I don't know if maybe he needed to pay some bills or whatever, but yeah, I don't know. Scott, I mean, Rick, I haven't heard too many stories about that would be really interesting to do a little more research to see how he's doing. Cause you don't really hear much about Rick Steiner anymore. And he was supposed to be, you know, like, a- the closer of the tag team, as far as like, uh, you know, getting the pins and stuff like that. Like, Scott would set him up and Rick would knock him down. Yeah. You, you know anything, Steve? Did I cut you off there? No, no, no. I was just
2: trying to remember. I know that
1: Rick Steiner, he on and off had like successful
2: singles career. Early on, he did. He was part of did Kevin he? Sullivan's stable varsity club. And then the Steiners oh, went for years together. And then I know, you know, he, he he was never as big as his brother in the late WCW, but they, he was still wrestled all the way to the end of WCW, I think. I'm trying to remember okay. after that what he did, but I know he's been in, like, real estate and, like, school board and stuff like that since then. So he's, like, huh. transitioned to a normal life since then. And, um, yeah, he's got, like, a family and, um, yeah. Good for him. Maybe
1: we can have him on the show. We should try to find him and uh, reach out to him. (laughs) Easy a Michigan low key. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Before we're famous, we'll get him on quick. (laughs) Right. Awesome. All right. All right. Moving right along. Who, what else is on? uh, Who wants to go next here?
3: So I'll throw, I'll throw another one out there. We'll move a little further ahead into the nineties. Um, I'm actually going to throw out three tag teams. Cause I don't feel like you can just mention one of these teams without mentioning the others. So in the late nineties um, when high flying wrestling had become more and more popular um, and right at the height of the attitude era, especially there were three tag teams in the WWF at the time. Um, and they were the Hardy boys, edge and Christian and the Dudley boys a little bit later on, but Those teams ended up creating what we now know today as TLC matches. And even to this day, if you go back and watch some of these matches from, I think SummerSlam 2000 was one of the matches. um, These are some of the most incredible jaw-dropping matches of all time. Just because, you know, if you haven't seen a TLC match, ladders, tables, chairs, and just some of the moves these teams would do were so innovative. And even to this day you know, a lot of teams try to replicate them and few do it as well as these teams did 20 years ago. So, you know, but without the three of them together, cause they all had their own unique characters. They all competed in these matches in different ways and lent to each other's success. So, you know, without the Hardy boys and edge and Christian, which is one of the best tag team rivalries of the last 20 years. Um, and then the Dudley boys just having their, more hardcore approach to, you know, tag team wrestling coming from ECW. It just, it was a perfect storm of tag team wrestling. So again, those three teams, you got to put them out there together. You can't mention one without the other two.
2: And I think it's a telling statement that in 2021, they all, all six of the guys are still wrestling and really not embarrassing themselves. I mean, Matt Hardy is featured prominently on AEW. Jeff Hardy, I guess, you know, they're kind of jabbing him out on WWE, but he's still there. Edges, I mean, I don't know if he's what he's doing now, but he was at WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. Christian, big signing for AEW, having a great match every time he wrestles. So yeah, it's those guys, all the things you said, I mean, some of the most innovative and impressive tag team matches uh of all time and memorable to this day and like you know you see a hundred ladder matches and stuff now but the ones those guys did were like probably still the best ones yeah and um some by some miracle (laughs) despite all the the hard times they put on their bodies they're still wrestling all of them yeah it's pretty Um,
3: unbelievable especially um You know, I think we've talked about some of wrestling's most unforgettable moments on a past episode. Mike, I think you actually mentioned this one. There was a moment in one of those TLC matches where Jeff Hardy is hanging from the belts and the ladder gets moved out from under him and he's just hanging there and Edge jumps off another ladder and spears him and they both fall 15 feet to the mat and just that moment. I mean, anytime you watch any wrestling highlight clips or classic clips from Monday Night Raw, it's always on there. Um, so, you know, just goes to show and it is incredible. I mean, after a 15 foot fall and how many of those did they take over the years? You know, you have edge and Christian, both like, you know, having great matches and Steve, like you mentioned, edge was just in the main event of WrestleMania, you know, 20 years later. Mm -hmm. So just unreal how resilient these guys are, how well their bodies have kept up and just goes to show if you take care of yourself, you know, sky's the limit as far as what you can do
1: on the recent episode of dynamite actually big money matt hardy gave christian the twist of fate yeah i was just thinking i was like man what if what if jeff could get over to aew and edge could get over to aew and they just did it one more time one more time yeah i don't think edge will just
2: i have a hunch not but right Jeff Hardy they just seem to be jobbing out all the time on like I don't know if he's just writing out his contract or what but uh right that one seems
1: more of a possibility but I be just amazing. feel amazing like, I just feel like AEW would do it right you know you don't yeah. want to see you know the Undertaker come back 50,000 times and it, it's just been overdone and this and that. But when they just tease that, you know, it just takes you back what you were just talking about, man. I mean, my mind went immediate immediately, like 20 years ago to when those teams were the biggest, you know, names in wrestling when they were like the most popular. Um, I mean, not actually they weren't take team wrestling. Uh, those tag teams were going up against the rock, the undertaker, Stone Cold Steve Austin Kane Mankind Mick Foley, you know, they had to do stuff like that to get recognition. So, I mean, the fact that they stuck out and did those things, or I mean, um, that we're talking um talking about them 20 years later. I mean, they pushed it mm-hmm. because the solo acts at the time was kind of the hot hot thing. Um, you know, all all hall of famers, basically the top yeah. 10 names during that time, or I think they're probably in the hall of fame already or soon to be. So
3: yeah, that's a really yeah. good point. Um, Yeah. And I hadn't even thought about that, but yeah, those three teams were before the TLC matches and all these other things they were doing, they were basically on the undercard more than anything, not mm. even the mid card to some degree. So, you know, to your point, Mike, they're doing these things without these huge names beside them and they're stealing mm-hmm. the show and they're giving you a completely right. new type of match to watch. So yeah. And again, we're here, we are talking about them 20 years later. So just goes to show they, they made a name for themselves. They stuck out, they stuck with people. Um, JR always talks about maximizing your minutes and man, these
1: guys did it. Absolutely. Word up, word up. Cool. Steve, do you want to, do you want to get us going on another one here? How about Harlem Heat? <laughs> oh, dude, I'm glad Booker you brought T, them up.
2: Booker T and his brother. I mean, they won what 17 Stevie tag Ray. teams. Stevie, Stevie Ray, yeah. Um, they I mean, those guys are two of the winningest tag teams of all time. I mean, or two champ, yeah. I think they won 17 yeah. times or something like that, or 10 times, or I don't remember. Who I mean, cares I, about how much they won, but that intro music was the coolest. oh yeah yeah and he kept it I like mean, when he went on a singles run yeah yeah it was so great
1: and then their latex flaming yeah outfits. they were red they were black they were purple they were blue they were white and then they had sister sherry and then they oh she the was pilot. great yeah and i mean it was just great black representation too it was you know, and they were just a
2: legit awesome team yeah
1: exactly they, they were they were the shit i mean they were on wcw um saturday morning show that i would watch they were always like the main guys they would go up against like you remember public enemy Rocko yes. rock and, uh yeah who's the
2: racco fly boy oh crap yeah yeah public enemy they weren't that great of a team but yeah Flyboy no, boy Rocko were- rock he died yeah and then the other guy's still alive mm-hmm. but yeah
1: and they do the He's yeah they do the hand
2: thing yeah labeled.
1: Yeah, they were in ECW. I didn't know it. I mean, they were in ECW before they went to WCW. But, yeah, the Harlem Heat and Public Enemy, they were put on some awesome matches, like on just regular television. Mm -hmm. But then, yeah, it was Sister Sherry, uh, and they were huge on Nitro. Yeah, I love the Harlem Heat. Great I um
2: tech. I shouldn't have doubted myself. No, they were in fact seventeen-time tag team champions. They were the WCW World Tag Team Champs ten times, and the WCW World Television Champion Tag Teams uh, seven times. So seventeen total in WCW. That's that's up there with anybody. That's what's up. Yeah. Well, and Donor T would go on to be
1: family. one of the all-time great single stars too. So, right. Yep, he would go on to be King Booker. He had that yeah. classic against Steve Austin in the grocery store. Yeah, you know he's got a successful career now as one of the announcers. He does. I think he's got his own like promotion too down he in does. Texas. Yep, he's got a he's got a great story on A and E biography. Uh, you can learn more about his life. Another show to uh, get into. Yep. yeah. Stevie Ray, um, is he his real brother? Yeah, I think he is right. Yeah. yeah, they kind of get more into that in A&E, too, how they kind of split off a little bit. But and, then they uh,
2: reconciled, right? Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's good. And they're both but in the yeah, Hall they of Fame. Were, yep, they were one of the most fun. Absolutely.
2: So that's uh, that was sure. on my list,
1: yep. Very good. So, yeah, moving right along here. Um, Matt, I mean, you watched Attitude Era Wrestling. I mean... Should we talk about the new age outlaws a little bit here?
3: You, you took the words right out of my mouth. That was the next pick <laughs> on my list. I, I mean, and right. it's probably no surprise to our longtime listeners. It, it's just one of those teams you can't not talk about when it comes to late nineties, WWF, the new age outlaws, were they the best wrestlers? No, not even close. And in hindsight, that's so blatantly obvious, but just like with Enzo and Cass, you know, recent NXT tag team from a few years back, Um, the new age outlaws were so over with the crowd. They had a great tagline. They had great entrance music. Um, they had a lot of just signature moves that weren't anything too crazy, but just really simple and catchy. Like, you know, drew you in as a fan, you could be a casual fan, see them. And you were immediately like, Oh, Hey, who's that? I I like them. So yeah, the new age outlaws probably one of the most over tag teams of the late nineties, especially when you're talking about WWF attitude era wrestlers. Um, I, I think one of the most memorable feuds that I can recall with the New Age Outlaws would have been against uh the Acolytes, who later beca- became known as the APA or the Acolyte Protection Agency, uh, which consisted yep. of Bradshaw or John Bradshaw Layfield, as he was later called, and then Farouk or Ron Simmons. So, um Really starting to bring back some memories for me. I actually also had the APA on my list for the 2000s when we start to get into that time period, because that's when they were really over with the crowd when they had more of a face turn after the Undertaker's Ministry of Darkness faded away um, and they had to change their gimmick up a little bit. But, But anyway, yeah, back to the New Age Outlaws. Yes, they were sort of the... Um, one of the big key building blocks to Degeneration generation X, which if you listen to our Stables podcast, we talk quite a bit about the New Age Outlaws on there as well because you, you can't mention DX without mentioning the New Age Outlaws. Um, the Road Dogg has gone on to be a producer for WWE, and whether you agree with some of his booking and production or not is one thing, um, but there's definitely no denying how much charisma that guy had in the late 90s. And then on the other side, you have the badass Billy Gunn or Mr. Ass or whatever he went by at the time, um, who is now signed with AEW and tags alongside, I believe it's his son. Is that right? Mm-hmm.
2: Um, sons, and- right?
1: Doesn't he have two sons in there?
3: I think so. Yeah. Yeah. But- yeah the gun club. Um, so. The lead,
1: the... Elder statesman of the gun club, right?
3: Yes, definitely. And I mean, he's
1: basically a
2: producer, but he can still wrestle. And he's dude, dudes in shape. I remember we saw him at StarCast Mm -hmm. in Chicago, and he's tall and ripped. My God, that guy is ripped still in his 50s. Yeah, yeah.
3: I remember seeing that back in the day, like just one of the most chiseled guys in WWF. Still like that 20 years later, um, which is amazing. And the guy can still go in the ring. It's pretty amazing. And yeah, like Steve said, if you've never seen him in real life, that guy is tall, man. And in the nineties in WWF um, didn't really stand out so much. He seemed more like a middleweight or mid card guy, but nowadays in AEW, he's like a giant. So yeah. New age outlaws, man. Good, good call out.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, they, they, nothing that they did was exactly like technically sound. I mean, the road dogs, like big move was his little shimmy shake of the shoulders and then when he had and then like just jab him. I mean talk about like keeping your body healthy like not doing these huge yeah. you know cyton bombs off of a 20 foot ladder and then he would do like the little knee little little Charleston or whatever going down and then he 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 like did the five knuckle shuffle before Cena did you know he did. so he did instead yeah, of using they, his, they just
3: he was, would use his knee but pretty much the same
1: yeah pretty much so yeah those guys were great and we brought up before how they would you know do the first of like that call and response between the crowd it was almost like jazz you know very um you know they would go on the mic live and have this great interaction with the crowd which then translated to t-shirts which then (laughs) translated to main events you know, it's just little stuff that they did that made them successful while keeping their bodies intact. And they're not hooked on, you know, painkillers. And, you know, it's it's a success story. I, I look at the new age outlaws, they were in one of those cliques or one of those stables where, you know, it was overly sexualized, where they could have just been going the party route and doing a bunch of drugs and partying and you know, they could wind up as a dark side of the ring episode, but they kept it simple and they were big. So mad props to them. Yeah. They
3: they also kind of like you mentioned, Mike, they led to a lot of t-shirts and a lot of kids getting in trouble for wearing those t-shirts to school all the time.
1: Um, They weren't getting in trouble. We were getting in trouble.
3: Yeah. I mean, there's, there's non wrestling fans who still know the suck it, gesture mm-hmm. to this day and do it. And I think few of them know that the new age outlaws were the ones who coined that um, alongside D generation X. So yeah, one of the most yeah. over teams, not just in the yeah. ring, but also just on the mic more than anything. Road dog would always have a new intro promo every time they come out very similar to Enzo. Mm-hmm. I think Enzo bases a lot of his mic skills and in-ring style on the new age outlaws. There's a lot of parallels between the two teams. So For those of our younger listeners, if you know Enzo and Cass, but you haven't seen anything from the new age outlaws, definitely go on Peacock or YouTube or wherever wherever you can find the matches, check out some of the new age outlaws. You will love
1: them. Yeah. And if you've never told anybody to suck it, then I don't think you've lived. That's true. Somebody in your life deserves to hear that. (laughs) There's always somebody they're always my uh no matter whose birthday it is uh it's always the meme that i send them we got two words for you and you think it's suck it but it's happy birthday so (laughs) you know what i don't care if you love wrestling or not you're getting it so cool um should we move up a little further um i mean we're getting kind of late we might have to do a best to tag teams episode two at some point here you too. know we could probably cap
2: it and like do a modern one like i was thinking that because there's teams you know i mean i'll just name drop them now but we don't have to talk about them like lucha brothers um uh mm-hmm. young bucks obviously but maybe yep. we should keep this in the past and like save that for a uh talking about the current especially AEW, since they put such a premium on the tag team
1: yeah right yeah briscoe brothers
2: and a Ring of honor those got you know modern teams
1: yeah and that's charlie's uh big uh fan of the briscoe brothers and i know charlie would want to get on one of these episodes and talk about his boys msk oh god uh, yeah his
2: favorite team of all time
1: maybe we should maybe we should save it because honestly there there there's a little drought in uh tag team wrestling i believe and i think that would be a really good time to just put a put a little pin in it we do a little more research and we come back with best tag teams part two in the future like the past 10 years or whatever yep exactly and speaking of putting a pin in things we got promo of the week uh this one's sent to us by sunny over over in venice beach california i don't know if sunny's a man or a woman it's not the sunny uh, is it I mean, I no. think she just got out of prison. No. And I I really, I heard an awesome interview with her uh, about staying up all night with Dolph Ziggler. Uh, and I heard she ran around with Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels. So Sonny got around.
3: I've heard Kinda multiple ambient. stories about Dolph Ziggler. And uh, I guess the only word to describe it is uh, endurance.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's what Sonny has to say, too. Uh, not this Sonny who submitted promo of the week, but we should get back to who was who was Sonny's team? What were they called again? The it uh, was, Heavenly uh, Bodies wasn't no the Body Donnas. No. Body Donnas, that's yeah. right.
0: Chris it Candido Skip and
1: yep, uh, uh, yeah, was it Chip and Skip or something like that?
2: Something like that, yeah. Chris Candido or her
1: husband was one of them, and I can't remember who the other one was. Damn. Okay. Well, it looks like everybody was shopping around on Sunny. All yeah. right. Well, well Sonny from Venice Beach uh, submitted a really great promo for us. Uh, this one comes from superstar Billy Graham, interviewed by Tony Schiavone. Oh. And uh, I mean, superstar just delivers a classic right here. Unbelievable vocabulary. Superstar Billy Graham is way ahead of his time. Great look, oh, totally. great body great promo delivery so let's not wait uh, any longer and let's take a listen here is the
0: legend, the colorful superstar Billy Graham superstar Billy Graham is on the airwaves, the superstar is on the superstation, I'm on the cable system, I'm on the satellite system, I'm on the laser beam system I'm on the microwave system superstar being beamed all around the world, I'm the man with the biggest arm, I'm the man who does the most harm Now, most people take their Chevrolet or their LTD into the shop. They get their front end of line and their wheels balanced. The superstars' arms are so big. The pythons, I got to take my arms in and get my arms balanced, you understand? Speed balance. Now, let me lay something on nature boy Slicky Ricky Flair. Sooner or later, Slick Rick is going to have to deal with superstar Billy Graham. And the question is, that's it. The question is, how you gonna deal with the man of steel? What you gonna do with you know who? And how you gonna act when you get superstar attacked? Now you see, now you see the world championship belt. I need that belt, baby. It's a heavy belt. It's got gold on it. It's got silver on it. It's got platinum. It's got calcium, magnesium and zinc. It's got uranium and titanium. It's got cobalt and asphalt. Superstar Billy, your fault. His fault. St. Andrea's fault. Superstar Billy Graham got to have the world championship belt. The 24-inch pythons of the superstar will prevail. And there he is, fans. The legend superstar Billy Graham joining us here today on World Championship Wrestling. For David Crockett, I'm Tony Schiavone. We'll see you next week.
1: what I tell you, boys? You know, like you said, ahead of his
2: time, I mean, like influences on Hulk Hogan, so many, I mean, he just, he had that colorful, larger than life persona and like, uh, yeah, he was, uh, he was a big deal in his day. Yeah.
3: Uh, I've, I've heard stories about superstar Billy Graham and I've seen clips of like very short clips of him back in the day. And yeah, the guy definitely had the look. And now after hearing this promo clearly had the gift of the gab as well. And like you said, a colorful vocabulary, so. He's got that going for him too, which always helps.
1: I have no idea how these wrestlers can remember all the things that they, I mean, I don't know how they do it. I mean, we I make it like look any easier. good actor, here, you know, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you, Sonny for uh, sending that um, all the way from California. Wow. Our reach is really growing here, boys. This it's great. Uh, We really appreciate everybody who listens to Keep the K-Fabe. If you want to hear um, a promo on the show, uh, send it to Keep the K-Fabe on Instagram and Spotify. And um, if you want us to review a show or just tell us what you want us to talk about here too, because sometimes, you know, there's not a lot of stuff going on in wrestling, but we want to bring you some good quality content here. And um, speaking of content, if, If you boys and girls do three things this week, I want it to be these three things. Please stay hungry. Please stay humble. And please stay hard. Triple H.
3: Sorry, Charlie's not here. So we have to do our best with what we have.
1: Hold on. Awesome, boys. All right. Peace. Peace. Peace.